Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, you may be seated. I come in here tonight after a month and over a month and thousands of you just keep piling in here. You're not tired yet? No. Well, bless God forever. We might just go on all summer. I don't know. <laughs> the church in Jacksonville, Florida one time asked me if I'd come and speak all night. So I went and held an all-night service. Started the service at 7.30, and I gave an invitation at 5.30 in the morning. And the moment I gave the invitation, the ones that was left, some of them left at 11 o'clock and went and ate and come back. Stayed so long, they got hungry. And God started performing miracles. Lord, have mercy. They're wild. Well, when you get a hold of God, you know, that's time don't mean anything to you. The fellow went to heaven here some time ago, and he said right before he left, he said, the Lord told him, he says, now remember, son, go back to the earth and work for me, and don't try to remember and listen times, dates, places, or new moons, or false doctrines. Forget that stuff. He said, I'm not interested in that. That's right, you know that? God's not interested in... He said, the Lord told him, he says, I'm not interested in times, dates, places, new moons, and false doctrines. Forget it. I'm not even sure God wears a watch. I'm not even sure he can tell time. It's like time means nothing to him. This means nothing to him. Well, you, you might as well just know this because I don't have faith up one day and down one day and wondering one day and, and I don't know what God's going to do the next day and, and uh, I don't never know what God's going to do until He shows me but you just might as well know this when you see something claim it ESPN has a channel USA has a channel Playboy has a channel CBN has a network CBS has a network. Why shouldn't Dallas, Texas have one for Jesus? It only costs to have one. It only costs $250,000 a month. That's a quarter of a million every month. Every month for the rest of your life. What's a quarter of a million dollars every month for the rest of your life for Jesus? That's not very much money. A businessman will pay out just a, 250 businessmen give a thousand dollars a month every month while well, we can have it and we've already got 78 you know I standing here four or five days ago and the Lord just dealt with me about it and I just turned around and said well how many want to join me I'll be the first one how many of you want to join me in about 25 businessmen in this church and women held up their hands and says I will I will in this church and they got to start and now we've got 78 men and women that will give a thousand dollars a month and you might as well know this, it will not be very long until we'll have the 250 that'll give $1,000 a month. That's the best thing to do anyway for Jesus. Just buy the thing and do what you want to. Thank God, just buy the thing and do what you want to. Blessed be the name of the Lord. After tonight, we'll give you, you know, after a little while tonight, we'll give you another chance to call. You can still call the phone numbers on the screen. 
Well, after tonight's service, my brother and sister and about a million people out there listening in homes and churches, uh, I want to let you know that you will never be the same again after tonight. You're going to witness hundreds and thousands of people being set free tonight. This is a night of deliverance. And you will witness it tonight. Blessed be God forever. And we're going to have a special phone, special people on the phone, pray, praying for people at the end of this. So you want to, I mean, praying for them. You're calling your pledges also uh, but to make this come to pass. But I mean praying for people that's bound up by the devil. And so, just to let you know, Mike, the one that's going to help me tonight, uh, a fellow named Mike Williams is going to help me tonight. And you'll see why he's going to help me. And uh, so he didn't bring any of his tapes. He flew down here today, him and his wife. And so I've got about 75. I usually carry it on my table because all the time, I've heard him, I've, I've heard him give it a lot of times. I think I've got about 75 tapes on my table. So if you want one of them after service, you can get his life story. I will mention this one tape series to you because uh, you need to know and exactly what to do when the time comes that somebody knocks on your door that's going to commit suicide. How to deal with Satan and demons. That's a brand new cover. Look at that tape series. You can have the whole big thing for $30. So any of you out there that wants to write to my office, send $30 and ask for the tape series, How to Deal with Satan and Demons. And uh, if you write any letters here, why well, Bob and them and the staff here always give me my mail. I'm getting it by the sack full, so, you know. A lot of them are prior requests, but that's all right. We lay hands on them. We take all the cloths and aprons and, and the handkerchiefs over to my motel room and just spread them out across the floor. I mean, it looked like you started a laundry. <laughs> and I get in the floor and lay my hands on all of them. You know, they come in, manila envelopes and everything else. But that's the way God performs miracles. God performs special miracles like that. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever. So I wanted to mention that tape series to you tonight because it is so badly needed. And this particular ministry is so misunderstood in the world. That's the reason the, so many thousands of people are bound up by the devil. The average church, now listen to me closely, people. The average church in America knows nothing about it whatsoever. The average pastor knows nothing about it. Nothing. Absolute blank. Knows nothing about it. Sometimes I think Jesus just puts up with people because he's nice. They sure to God don't know very much about him. That's for sure. But he's real, regardless of what you know about God. He's real. Jesus is real. And he's never changed. He's in the saving business. He's in the healing business. He's in the miracle working business. In church, you're not ready for this, but you're going to get it anyway. He's in the casting out devil business. Yeah. It's plain if you can read all through the New Testament. Jesus healed the sick and cast out devils. All through the New Testament. It's amazing to me how pastors and evangelists can read the Bible and they don't believe what they read. They just read it 
because it's a nice book. It is a nice book, all right, but it's a lot more than a nice book, my brother and sister. It's God. It is God. Did you know the Bible is God? Jesus is the Word and was the Word and He'll always be the Word and never will be anything else to you except the Word. Blessed be God forever. If you want to know anything about God, don't ask a human being. Ask Matthew. Well, I don't know about all this stuff now, Brother Norville. I don't know about all this stuff. I'm going to go check up on some of my friends and some of my friends that's been to school, and I'm going to find out what they think about it. No, no, don't check up on any of your friends. They're probably as dumb as you are. <laughs> check up. Take your time all you want to, and just check with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see what they think about it. Don't check with your friends. Please don't check with your friends. And if you ever learn to do what God tells you to do, then you'll see God manifest Himself. Yes. The best way in the world to get rid of flaky friends that bugged you. They thought you was weird if you ever got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Of course, if you ever even got saved, your worldly friends thought you was goofy, you wouldn't go to the club no more, I'm saved and I go to church. Then, you know, you always take another step, you know, you take baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues. Well, if you ever start speaking in tongues, then you know, they know that you're in a cult. That's what the world thinks about you. And if you ever start a friend, a friend of mine that I grew up with in the Baptist church where my mother died with cancer and my brother died with breast disease, a fellow from that same church said here a while back to one of my friends, have you heard what has happened to Norval Hayes? And he said, what? He said, I want to ask you a question. He said, somebody told me that he got hung in that, with that healing stuff. That he was going around the country and got involved in that healing business, that healing stuff. Now do you understand why my mother and brother died there? And the next one take cancer there, they'll be dead. Because as long as you open up your dumb mouth towards God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and speak slightly about that old healing stuff, I got news for you and your dumb head. You'll never be healed. God will see to it that you never get nothing from Him in healing. No, you can't make fun of Him and get it. You might as well forget it. But you have some friends you want to get rid of, all you have to do is tell them, uh, now then, I cast out devils. I'll guarantee you they won't be at your house Sunday for dinner. <laughs> Brother, I mean you separate the brains from the zombies. And when you start saying, I cast out devils. <laughs> and you know, it's the first commission God gave to any believer in my name. Jesus said, they shall cast down devils. I don't know why people are so afraid uh, to face the devil and say, in Jesus' name, come out of him. What are you afraid to do that for? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. 
Some people say, I don't know, Brother Noble, if I can do that or not. Yes, you can. Yes, you can do that. Buy this tape series and listen to it 25 times. Listen to it 25 times. I command you, listen to it 25 times. And you've been going around through town in Jesus' name. Come out of them. In Jesus' name, come out. But that scripture has to get in you. Amen. A fellow told me today that, he said, I think I have this straight, that Kenneth Hagin said, the first Jesus, he had made a little study or something on it, and uh, the first devil that Jesus ever cast out started screaming and tearing and it was called a foul spirit. He said, Brother Hagin thinks that was a homosexual spirit. It was called a foul spirit. And he was in church. You find an awful lot of homosexuals in church. Find a lot of them in the band, especially in the band. He said, not this band. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> well, if you, if you are in there, you won't be one long. <laughs> Glory to God forevermore. <laughs> no, you won't. No, it's listening closely. Candy, come up here. Candy Staten's girl has been singing here with me for over a month. A lot of you don't know this about this girl, but just listen closely now and I'll tell you a few places where she's been. You used to sing with Diana Ross, honey? Yes, uh, Diana Ross, Lou Rawls, Mac Davis. Um, I've been with all the big stars. Ray Charles, Las Vegas, we were together for a week at the Aladdin. She used to sing with Ray Charles in Las Vegas for years. You have two gold records? Yes. And uh, the homosexuals in this country voted one or two of your songs as a theme song. Number one songs in the gay clubs was Victim and Young Hearts Run Free. Victim and Young Hearts Run Free. Two, a little over two years ago, before, right before you got saved, you was in San Francisco and she'd been elected in San Francisco to sing in the big parade. How many homosexuals was following you while you were singing their theme song? And that parade in San Francisco, or when you was in the parade? A hundred thousand. Did you get that? A hundred thousand homosexuals following this girl right here as she's saying, because she was her theme song singer. Two gold records. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, they say right now, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there's 50,000 homosexuals. That's one of the largest gospel towns in America. You can imagine what's in Dallas. 50,000 homosexuals in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So you can imagine what's in Dallas. 100,000 of them in one parade in San Francisco. 
How long have you been saved, Candy? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. And now she runs free for Jesus. Blessed be God forever. Thank you, honey. I want you to I want you to know that about Candy so you'd know who's been singing to you. And she used to make singing in gay clubs. She'd make sometimes three of them a night. How much money would you make per night, honey, in gay clubs when you sang in three clubs? Six thousand dollars in one night. This gay club would give her two thousand dollars to come and sing the theme songs and sing five or six, seven songs in thirty minutes. And another one would give her two thousand, and she'd make three of them per night. A town like San Francisco, L.A., and you know, Denver, New York, Chicago. Three gay clubs per night. Two thousand dollars each one. Six thousand dollars a night. Blessed be God forever. And Jesus saved her and set her totally free. And if there's ever been a woman, a woman anointed of God to sing, Brother Candy is one of them. And there's a lot of men anointed. She is one of them. Real quick, turn your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 9. Remember tomorrow night. I don't want you to miss tomorrow night. And I think you better come early if you want to get a good seat tomorrow night. I'm going to lay my hands tomorrow night if Bob wants me to do it. If he don't, well, I'll do it the next week. But if he, if he wants me to conduct it tomorrow night, I'm going to lay my hands on pastors for the spirit of authority. Double anointing for the spirit of authority. Tomorrow night, I'm going to bring you, everywhere I go, people try to get me to bring this message. And if God does not change me, I'm going to bring you a message tomorrow night entitled, How Jesus Taught Me to Cast Out Devils. How Jesus taught a First Baptist business executive to cast out devils. That'll be, I'll write a book with that title. <laughs> I've got one, How Jesus Taught Me to Cast Out Devils. It's got seven chapters out there on my book table. But uh, I've got a chapter in there about how a little boy would burn all the schoolhouses down. He's about, just about 12 years old, and I had to take authority over the devil and make the devil leave him. But the school board didn't know anything about it, so he could never go to school anymore. There's one chapter in that book how a girl come, they brought a girl to me that would dance in the, in the woods all night long. Dance in the woods all night long. Her mother was a prostitute and her father belonged to the Hell's Angels. And she danced in the woods all night long. And I, it took me a long time to get the devil out of her. But I finally got it out of her, though. You have to be determined to get a devil out of somebody because if a devil has been living in somebody a long time, it thinks, it thinks that your body is its home and it don't want to leave. Sometimes it'll even beg you not to leave. I remember one time I approached a girl that was, used to set herself on fire all the time. All she was was a bunch of scars. And I, and I approached her, and when they brought her to me, and I approached her, she says, she went to back it up, and she went, oh, 
oh, don't make me leave. Don't get me out. Don't make me leave. I, you're strong. You're strong. You're too strong for me. You're too strong. Don't make me leave. Don't make me leave my house. Don't make me leave my house. Begging pitifully. And here stood her house, a beautiful lady, was nothing but a massive scar which had set herself on fire. Her face is like this. And her body twisted, which had set herself on fire. Over and over and over again. Set herself on fire. And when they brought that woman to me, she began to back, back away from me. I said, in Jesus' name, you're going to come out of her. She says, no, 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 please don't. You're too strong for me. Don't do that. No. And begged me to leave it in there so I could make that body set itself on fire again. They don't want to come out. You have to make them come out. You have to, you have to use Jesus' name and you have to know what authority is. And you can't get nervous. Just stay steadfast. Full of faith, full of power, and use Jesus' name and know that you know what you're doing. Which most people don't know anything about it. Much less what they're doing. You have to let the devil know that you know what you're doing. If you ever show one sign of ignorance to the devil or one sign of weakness, I got news for you. The devil is not going anywhere because you can't make him. When you're dealing with the devil, you have to know that you know that you know that you know what you're doing. You have to be full of faith, full of power, full of patience, and be steadfast, unmovable in Jesus' name. And know that you know, and you don't give up. You don't give up. You don't give up, you break the power of the devil. You break it. You break it, not somebody else. You break it in Jesus' name. Break that devil loose. Sometimes the devil's been in there a long time. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I have to take an alcoholic in my arms. And it takes me sometimes a long time to break that devil loose. That devil make an alcoholic drink whiskey, hide whiskey bottles for 15, 20, 25, 30 years of his life, and he's a drunk of the town. That thing will not come out of him easy. You understand me? He don't just come up and say, okay, I'll come out. Sometimes that thing will wrap up in your face, wrap right in your face and say, you can't make me come out. I said, oh, shut up. Come out of him! <laughs> I can make you come out of him because if he wants you out, now if you don't want a devil out of you, if you like what that devil's doing to you, then you can just keep it. I don't have, I can't waste my time trying to get the devil out of you because if you like it, if you like that what the devil's giving you, it'll come right back in you again. You can't make devils leave until you get sick and tired of the devils. You're sick and tired of the devils. You have to get sick and tired of what the devil's doing to you and then, then you're a candidate to be free. As long as you like what the devil's doing to you and you're going to keep on doing what the devil's doing to you, let the devil push you around, then you stay that way as long as you live because I could cast the devil out of you maybe but it'd come right back in you before you got home. So what do I want to waste my time for? When you get sick and tired of the devil, sick and tired of the devil, sick and tired of what the devil's doing to you, you can be free from any devil. Be free, totally free from any devil. 
But you can, you'll never be free from no devils until you learn what authority is. You have to learn the power there is in Jesus' name and authority. And your faith yourself, your faith has got mostly to do with it. Your faith. Jesus don't ever give up. I've prayed for boys all night, possessed with the devil. Pray for them all night. Don't even know their own name. Nothing except the vegetable. It'd take me eight hours to get that devil out of them. In Jesus' name, you come out of him. I've come to destroy him. It's like wrestling with an angel all night long, wrestling with the devil all night long. My body would get tired and go over and sit down and rest. Saying praises unto God because he's free. You couldn't see one sign of freedom. After I'd rest my body, I'd get back up in Jesus' name. I said, come out of him. I break your power, you devil. Come out of him. And do it how long? Well, sometimes all night. Really? You say, I never known anybody that would fight the devil all night. That's right, honey. They're few and far between. In fact, most cities don't have anybody. You might find one here and one there and one yonder somewhere. Most cities don't have anybody. And brother, it gets to be an earth-shaking thing sometimes. When you know that you know that you know that you know that anybody can be free from the devil. And you're in a city somewhere... You may be tired. You may be this. And the Lord tells you. Not men tells you. The Lord says to you. I pray about it before I go. And the Lord says, Son, it's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing, my brother and sister. It makes you feel so sorry for the church that's so ignorant for the true, precious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It makes you feel sorry for him. I like to spend time praying for churches and asking God to give them strength and power. So they show that God don't have much. And uh, somebody that's killing themselves and somebody dying... I said, Lord, I've been working hard. They have a lot of Pentecostal churches, Lord, in this town. Let them go there. It makes you feel lonely when God tells you sometimes, you're the only one, son, that's here. I don't have anybody else. God, I'm a visitor in this town. I don't have anybody else that will pray all night. And if, if that devil don't come out of that person, they're going to die. And I don't have anybody else. You're it. I don't have anybody else that will pay the price. I have heard some people preach the gospel like this. Oh, well, I just go by and say in Jesus' name, come out, I'm going by myself, you know, and that's all there is to it. Uh, you wouldn't know how to cast out devils if you met four of them in the middle of the street. 
If you think you can do that and make a devil leave a human body that's been there for 20 years, that's been there for 15 years, and has one thing in mind for that person, and that's the grave, has one thing in mind for that person, that's hell, if you think you can pop them on top of the head and say, in Jesus' name, come out and go on, not, not showing any authority, not showing any faith, not showing any concern, I got news for you. You'll never break the power of the devil loose. That devil that's on the inside of them has to be broke loose. Or you can make a headache leave like that, in Jesus' name. Headache, in Jesus' name, go! And it'll leave just like that. Some little old devil don't have any strength will leave, sure. But some of them sets them on fire and all kinds of strength. One, the ones that has been living there for a long time with strength, I got news for you. And if you think that you're so hot that you can do that, you ought to come with me sometime to a mental institution and let me turn you loose in a mental institution and let you pray for a few of them and see how far you get. I can tell you right now how far you're going to get. You won't even get to the front door. They'll all laugh at you. A mental institution is the closest thing to hell that you'll ever get on this earth. And I have never in my life, never, not once in all the years I've been dealing with the devil, I have never, not once in my life ever dealt with one person in any kind of a mental institution. Never have I ever dealt with one person in, in a mental institution anywhere in the country but what they've been doing strange things to their bodies. All kind of, and mostly it's all kind of goofed up oral sex. Strange things to their bodies. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you can live in adultery for years and it does not bother you that much except separates you from God, but at least you don't go crazy because you have a natural sex life with the person you're living with, even not married, Man with a woman and woman with man. Man with a woman and woman with man. God will put up with that for a while, hoping you'll repent and get married. But you, you know, you can get too far out for God, so disgust God, God just takes his hand off of you and just, takes a, and just let the devil run you crazy. The mental institutions in every state in the United States has a long waiting list of people that don't know how to handle their bodies. And it's what you've been doing to your body puts you in there. What you do with your body affects your mind. Do you understand that? What you do with your body affects your mind. The devil will do that. You do wrong things to your body and it'll make you want to kill yourself. It'll make you do all kinds of goofy things in your mind. Well, God don't want you to kill yourself. He wants you to serve him. Blessed be God forever. In the book of Luke chapter 9 verse 1. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. You have the power, you have authority over all devils. Everybody say all devils. All devils. And cure all diseases. Cure all diseases. Say diseases, diseases are plural. That means all of them. I have authority over them. Say cancer will never kill me. In Jesus, name, In Jesus' name, I have authority over cancer. I, authority over cancer. I, command, you, cancer. I command you, cancer. Leave me. Leave Go. Go. Get, out Get out of my body. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name. I'm not going to put up with you. 
live in my body. I take authority over you. In Jesus' name. Go from my body. I am free from you. In Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit is healing me. In Jesus' name. I am free. Now then treat all diseases just like that. Treat all diseases just like that, and all diseases, including cancer, will disappear. Disappear. They'll disappear. And they'll disappear every time. You say, well, I know somebody, Brother Nova, that died with cancer, and, and, and they loved the Lord, and they went to church. Well, I know a thousand of them. I'm not talking about that. I just gave you an example. I just taught you and gave you an example what to do in every case of a deadly disease to make that dumb thing leave you in Jesus' name. And cancer is only a flaky English word anyway. If you don't know the truth about it. I said cancer is only some flaky English word that some medical person dreamed up you want to know the truth about it, cancer is the devil. Amen. Cancer is the devil. And it's come to kill you. Cancer is the devil. And it's come to kill you. You say, well, it's, uh, well, it's just a disease. Well, who causes diseases? I've had full gospel, Pentecostal people want to stand, stand and argue with me. Well, we don't believe that our congregation can have devils. I said, you got two sitting on the front seat dying with cancer. Both of them's got devils. <laughs> oh, well, but we don't believe it that way. I said, well, go ahead and order the flowers then, you dummy. <laughs> because you're going to bury them. As long as you pamsy wamsy and fool around with cancer, well, we'll pray and see what the Lord will do. I can tell you right now, when you approach God that way and say, well, I think we're going to pray and see what the Lord will do. I can tell you right now what he's going to do. Nothing. He's not going to do anything. She's not going to see what the Lord will do. Now, that's a great gospel. You've got really great faith. I'm going to see what the Lord will do. There's nothing in the gospel to teach you to see what the Lord will do. Jesus is victory in every case. 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 Get that in your brain once and for all. Jesus is victory in every case. Jesus is victory in every case. Get that in your mind once and for all. And I don't care what kind of devil it is. Ten years ago, one night at my house, a knock come on my door. And the essence of it, a young man said, I have been to churches all over the southeastern part of the United States. And all the pastors prayed for me. They prayed for me. And they were nice to me. But I didn't get anything. He was on his way to kill himself. And I told him, I said, this is the last door you'll ever knock on. Now you can hear the story firsthand. That young man has pastored two churches. He'll come and tell you his story. 
And he's going to tell it to you quick tonight. And I want you to listen closely. You'll never be the same again. Tell Mike Williams that you love him. Come on, Mike. be seated. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus came to set the captives free. Amen. Amen. Doesn't make any difference what you're bound to. Mark chapter 3, verse 23, and he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. I have news for you tonight. The devil's house is about to be spoiled. Thank you, Jesus. The devil has taken captive into his house thousands, multi-thousands of homosexuals all across this land. And tonight is the night that's going to begin a mighty deliverance to that homosexual community. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. When I was five years old, you, many people asked me, they say, Brother Mike, how does somebody like you get involved in something like that? And I tell them just exactly what happened to me, and it's what's happened to most of them that I talk to, at least 95% of all of them that I've talked to. When I was five years old, I was molested by a teenager that lived in our community. And by the time I was nine years old, that was happening to me on a daily basis, uh, every day on a daily basis by the time that I was nine years old. And that same spirit that was on the inside of them came into me. You see, the Bible says that he that lays with a harlot becomes one with a harlot. And it doesn't make any difference what it is. If it's a homosexual, you become one with that homosexual. That means that same spirit in them comes into you. That's the reason Brother Norville's teaching about what you do with your body is so important. Because if you, if you have sex with somebody outside of marriage, the, the thing of it is that's so dangerous is that that same spirit that's in them, you don't know what kind of spirit's in a person. But you open your life up to that spirit that can come into you and take over your life. I was nine years old and being used on a daily basis in the community that I lived in. Nobody knew what was going on. My parents didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew what was going on. Uh, the only people that knew what was going on was those who were using me. And then those same desires, by the time I became of an age when a, a young man begins to develop normal, natural desires, that part of my life just passed by. And my whole life was totally possessed with a spirit of homosexuality. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know that that's what it was. I, I thought I was born that way because, you see, I never thought anything else. Don't ever let anybody tell you that a homosexual is born that way. That spirit gets into people from other people. That's the way that it gets in there. And Jesus came to set the captives free. I went on into my teenage years. You know, I, was, I wanted so much to live a normal life. And I went on into my teenage years. And uh, I, all the time, you know, I was taught when I was just a little boy in vacation Bible school that, that 
uh, about the love of Jesus. I was taught how that Jesus died for our sins. I was taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, the one thing I always wanted to do was commit my whole life to the Lord. But you know, anytime I would go to an altar, every time I walked out, you say, Mike, you mean you even went to an altar? Yes, I went to an altar. I did everything everybody told me to do about repentance. But let me tell you something. There was something to hold of my life. And I'd leave that altar. And I'd go someplace else. And the next thing I knew before another two days were out, my life was wrapped up right back in the same thing that I had repented of and wanted so badly to leave. But there was something in me controlling me that I didn't, that I didn't know what it was. I thought it was just me. I, I just began to think, well, there's nothing that I can do about this. When I was, uh, I went on into my teenage years and uh, my life began to be so tormented on the inside. Fear. It was just like Brother Norval said. I was doing those things with my body and, and, and fear and all kinds of things began to come into my life. And even to the point of where that uh, I even begin to hate people who weren't just like me. And that's exactly what the devil will do. He'll do something to your life and then he'll make you hate everybody that's not just like you. And then he, he, he sections you off in a little group. And with the homosexuals, it's homosexuals. But with, with everybody else, it's just the same way. The alcoholics all hang around alcoholics because the devil wants you to hang around other spirits that are like that so you make sure you can't get free. Because if you start hanging around other people, you'll find out that there's something wrong with your life. But see, when those spirits hang around together, they begin to convince each other that they're the ones that's normal and everybody else is crazy. You don't believe that? You ought to, I know Candy can tell you. She sat and talked to groups of homosexuals. And they feel like they're the ones that's normal and everybody else is crazy. Why? Because they stay to themselves. They don't know what normal is. They don't know what normal is. I went on into my teenage years and even in high school, a, a spirit of murder began to come down on the inside of me. I actually hated people. I began to hate people. Friends that I'd known all my life, I began to hate them because they weren't like me. I said, why me? Why me? Why do I have to be this way? Why couldn't it have been them? And a hatred began to boil down on the inside of me. I hated them. I hated them because they were normal. Do you understand that? I hated them because they were normal and I wasn't. They could be normal and I couldn't. I went in and told my guidance counselor, I got afraid of myself. I got afraid of myself because these thoughts were coming into my mind to take a gun into my high school classroom and walk in and open up fire on the classroom and then turn the gun on myself. I wanted to kill some of them. I knew I was going to have to die. I knew I couldn't live that way. My life was so tormented. I knew I couldn't live that way. But I, I said to myself, and that evil spirit is what said it to me, if you're going to have to die, kill some of them too. And I went in and talked to my guidance counselor. I was so scared. And I told her about those thoughts. I'd never told anybody what was really going on in my life that I was a homosexual. I'd never told them that. I told her about what was going on on the inside of me. And she said, Mike, you need to see a psychiatrist. You know, and, and there was a hope that came up on the inside of me because I thought... Finally, finally, I get to talk to somebody who can help me. You know, in the 60s, we, I'd learned so much about psychiatry in school and that they'd made so many more advancements through the 60s that they could do so much to help people that they couldn't before. And I thought, that's my chance. I'll finally get to sit down 
and talk to somebody who can help me. I went to that psychiatrist and by my third visit with that psychiatrist, the very same thing was happening in his office that happened to me when I was five and nine years old. He himself was a homosexual. The man I turned to for help and finally spilled my guts and I opened my mouth and let me tell you something, I know what it's like to finally open your mouth and say, I am a, I am a homosexual, I'm gay and I can't do anything about it. I know what that's like. The resolve of that is just, is, is just an incredible thing. And you know, there's a lot of homosexuals out there watching. I know you found a measure of peace when you came out of the closet. I know you found a measure of peace when you finally admitted it. But you see, you, you didn't win the battle. You're not free. The, the thing that happened is you just gave in to the enemy. You're not fighting anymore. You're totally locked up. Just because you experience a measure of peace because you come out of the closet doesn't mean you're free. It means you gave in to the enemy. The fight is over. You're a captive. It doesn't mean you're free. I started searching all over the eastern half of the United States like Brother Norville told you. I went into church after church. I, I, I couldn't stay any place very long. The torment in me was so strong. My nerves were so shot that, that my, I, my hands began to tremble violently. And I couldn't even walk in the grocery store and buy the three packs of cigarettes a day that I needed. I'd hold my hands out and I couldn't hold just one hand out. I had to hold both hands out because my hands trembled so much. And I was so ashamed of that. I was so ashamed of that. I was so ashamed of my life. I was so ashamed of my life. I wanted one thing out of life. If I could just have a family, if I thought if I could just have a wife, if I could just have children, that would be the greatest thing. I, you know, I wouldn't care about money or anything. If I could just know what it's like, if someday I could just know what it's like to hold my own babies in my arms, that would be the greatest reward that heaven could ever give me. The doctors told me, they said, Mike, you might as well forget about it. That's not for you. Their final analysis of me, they said, we suggest you move to California where your lifestyle is more acceptable than it is here in East Tennessee. And I remember I told them, I said, but sir, you don't understand. I don't want to be accepted. I want to be changed. I want to be changed. Thank you, Jesus. I was traveling all over the eastern half of the United States and the answer that most pastors gave me, tent meetings and all. They showed me in the Bible where Jesus said, you have to take up your cross daily and follow after me. And they said, you see, son, this is a cross that Jesus has given you to bear through life. I had one pastor that told me, they, he said, Mike, he said, the Bible says, talks about in the last days how that the spirit of homosexuality, he said, homosexuality is going to be rampant in the last days. He said, it's prophesied in the Bible. He said, Mike, God's got to have somebody to fulfill his word. A pastor of a church. I searched for life. I finally thought, I began to think, I, I went into mental institutions at the age of 16 was my first visit to the mental institution. I spent six long terms in lock-up wards and mental institutions, suicide prevention wards. And Brother Norville speaking right, there's no hell on earth like a mental institution. There's no hell on earth. I know what it's like to be locked up in the little six-by-six six cells with just a peephole at the door looking in, checking on you, making sure you haven't hung yourself or something. I know what it's like to be laid on an operating table every other day of my life. 
and be injected with sodium pentothal and given shock treatments every other day. You say, why shock treatments, Mike? They were trying to change my life. But shock treatments didn't change my life. Shock treatments didn't change my life. I thought I had already gone through a number of mental institutions, three suicide attempts, because I just I hurt so bad. Can you understand that? I just hurt so bad. You know, I could smile on the outside and be the biggest jokester at the party. Man, I'm telling you, I could, I could be the best jokester at the party. But people, I went home, and I hurt inside. And I, I, I wondered if that pain would ever quit. I wondered if that pain on the inside would ever, ever quit. I couldn't live with it. I just couldn't. You might say, well, suicides commit, uh, 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 cowards commit suicide. People that are hurting commit suicide. People that are hurting, you better never say something bad about somebody or something slight about somebody who's attempted suicide. You don't know what, you may not know what it's like to hurt so bad you want to die. Just hurt so bad that you just want to die. I thought, if I could just force myself to be normal, I would. I met a young girl and I thought, I thought, you know, if I can just force myself to be normal, because I'd never had any desires for the opposite sex at all. I, was, I wasn't bisexual, I was totally a homosexual. And I had no desire. I thought, but, but I'm willing, I'm willing to try to find somebody to marry. And if I could just force myself to be normal, I'll do that. I'll do anything. I'll do anything to have a normal life. I met a young girl, and we got married in December of 1972, and I found out real soon that my plans were a total failure. I had absolutely no desire for her at all. I began to tell her lies. I began to tell her all kinds of things, to tell her that uh, I told her I was in love with somebody else. I told her everything I could say because I, I had just moved into this new town. Hazel would look at me with tears streaming down her face, and she'd say, but honey, I love you and we can work it out. No matter what I told her, she would cry. And she'd say, but honey, I love you and we can work it out. Time went by, a couple of months went by and I finally realized I'm going to have to tell her the truth. I'll tell her what I've told everybody else that, I, that has run everybody else out of my life. I'll tell her the truth. It, it, it worked with everybody else. It'll work with her. I finally sat down and looked her right in the face and I said, Hazel, I'm sorry, but I'm a homosexual and there's nothing I can do about it. You may as well get an annulment. You may as well get a divorce. Do whatever you want to do, but I can't be your husband. And Hazel looked at me with tears streaming down her face again and she said, but honey, I love you and we can work it out. I said, Hazel, don't you understand there's nothing to work out? There is nothing to work out. This is the way that I am. This is the way that I'll be. And I can never be a husband to you. Do you understand that? She said, but Mike, I married you because I loved you. I didn't marry you because of what you were. She said, do you think that I married you because of what you were? She said, I married you because I love you. She said, I can't leave you because of what you are because I didn't marry you because of what you were. I married you because I love you. Now, people, I had been in a mental institution with a lot of crazy people, but I figured I'd just met the nutsiest one I'd ever seen in my life. 
I knew she was crazier than anybody else. I thought I was crazy. I thought, dear Lord, she's crazier than I am. And I knew I was crazy. We went through a year and about seven months of just total hell. Total hell. There's no way to express to you what happened during that time. I left her for three different men. She knew where I was and what I was doing every time. And the torment would get so bad on the inside, there was only one place I knew any sanity at all. And that was around Hazel. And I'd always wind up back there. I'd always wind up back there. I didn't want to go there, but I always wound up back there. And she'd meet me at the door with her arms open, saying, oh, honey, I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad you're back. I did everything I could do to make her hate me. I mean, I did everything I could do to make her hate me. And she never one time gave one word of discouragement. She never gave me one word of criticism. She never one time broke down and got angry with me. I did everything. I'd, 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 uh, I'd make her fix big meals and then sit down and tell her I wasn't hungry just to make her mad. I'd tell her I wasn't hungry and she'd say, Oh, that's okay, honey. Maybe you'll be hungry later. This is after she'd worked eight or ten hours in the shipping department of a factory and I laid home on the couch all day and tore up the house as good as I could. Three o'clock in the morning, one time in particular, I was hungry again. She had just fixed a big meal that evening and I pushed my chair back and I said, I'm not hungry. When I told her to fix it all. Three o'clock in the morning, I shook her by the shoulder and I said, Hazel, I'm hungry. Get up and fix me something to eat. And she jumped up and took off running into the kitchen, fixed me something to eat. I tell you, she made me so mad I couldn't hardly stand it. <laughs> I did everything I could do to make her angry and everything I did, it just made me mad. It didn't make her mad, it always made me mad. I left Hazel the last time. We'd been separated for about six months this last time. And I knew my life had to end. There just wasn't any way. I knew my life had to end. I was on my way to do that and to accomplish that job, and I stopped at a man's house who was, well, in fact, he was a member of this same church that our brother uh, announced that he was a member of, First Baptist Church. I stopped at his house. I didn't even know why I was there. And I told him, I said, Dale, I don't even know why I'm here. I said, but I, I told him what I was going to do. I thought, well, that's crazy. Of course, I knew I was crazy anyway, so I, you know, <laughs> I always did crazy things. I always, I always did the thing that I didn't want to do. You know what I mean? I, it seemed like in my heart there was things I wanted to do. I wanted to say good things. I wanted to do good things. But when it come right down to it, I always did the wrong thing. And I always said the wrong thing. And I'd say, but that's not me. And you know what? It wasn't. It wasn't. There was another personality living its life through me. And what I had to say and what I wanted to do didn't make any difference. I had yielded my life to an evil spirit. And it had come in and possessed me and began to live itself through my life. Dale said, Mike, he said, I know. He said, I know. He said, I understand that. He said, but before you leave, he said, I'd like, to, I'd like to show you something. He got out his Bible. I thought, oh God, he's going to show me that it's God's perfect will that I go kill myself, I guess. But he opened his Bible to Mark, the 16th chapter. And he began to read from Mark, the 16th chapter. 
Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. I'd heard all that and didn't want to hear it again. But he kept reading, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. And then he had the audacity to tell me that he thought I was demon-possessed. That didn't go over very big. He said, Brother Mike, he said, I know the Bible says in those that believe. He said, but I'm brand new in this. And he said, but I do know a man that lives 30 miles from us here in Cleveland, Tennessee, by the name of Norval Hayes. I didn't even know what one was. <laughs> he said, Mike, if I can get an appointment with him, would you go see him? Would you go see him and let him pray for you? And I said, sure, why not? Tried everything else. I thought I'd met every weirdo there was to meet, but I never met anybody that cast out devils. I figured if I was going to die, I might as well at least meet this man before I died. Because you see, I had purposed in my heart I wasn't going to live anymore. I had purposed that in my heart. Later that week, we drove down to Brother Norval's house. I was smoking one cigarette off the other one. You see, them devils in me knew where we were going. They were nervous. We drove down there that night and uh, got to Brother Norval's house. This was August the 15th, 1974. Day I'll never forget the rest of my life. We got to Brother Norval's house about 10, 10.30 that night. I didn't know what somebody that cast out devils, what they did, and I didn't know what these people were going to act like. We walked in the house, and they was acting kind of normal. I was surprised. We went in and sat down, and Dale introduced me to Brother Norval, and he said, uh, he said Brother Norval, this is Mike Williams. And uh, he's the young man that I brought down here for you to pray with that we call and talk to you about. Brother Norval looked at me and he asked me one question. He said, Mike, I'm glad you came. He said, I've got one question for you. I've got to ask you one question. Do you want to be free? Do you know that that's the only question any pastor should ever have to ask anybody that walks in in bonds? Do you know the only thing the human race should have to do is just want it? And that's all. That's all. Just want it. Just want it. There ought to be enough power in any church that when somebody comes in bound, they just come in and say, yeah, I want it. They can get free. I, I, Brother Nor I looked at him and I didn't know what free was. You see, the only thing I'd ever known in my life was hurting, pain, torment, discouragement. Depression. I, I was listed as a manic depressive and they said I'd never be any better. They said this, this will never change. I walked into his house that night. He looked me right in the face and he said, Mike, tonight Jesus is going to set you free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
He said, now, Mike, he said, I want to explain something to you first. He said, I'm going to lay hands on you. But I'm not going to be talking to you. I'm going to be talking to that evil spirit that came into you when you were just a little boy. He said, devils don't have any respect for people. He said, you see, when you were just a little boy, that same spirit in those people came into you and came in to destroy your life. He said, I'm not going to be talking to you. I'm going to be talking to that spirit that has come in to take over your life. He laid hands on me and he began to pray this way. First off, he said, Father, I thank you for this young man. Now, people, I wasn't, I didn't look like anything to be thankful for that night. I was in a businessman's house who was a millionaire. And I still couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out why, why would he have something to do with me? Why, you know, uh, he's not doing this for a living. He's not preaching the gospel for a living. He doesn't have a salary. Nobody's paying him to do this. Why would he let somebody like me come in his house? And then laid hands on me and said, Father, I thank you for this young man. And he began to thank the Lord and thank Jesus for, for all that he had done and thank Jesus for the authority that he had given, that he had come to set the captives free. And then he said, and now by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, and he put his hand right here in my stomach, one on my stomach and one on my back. And he began to pray and he said, now you foul evil spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, that has come into this young man's life to pervert his life and to destroy him. In the name of Jesus Christ, I break your power. And in Jesus' name, I command you, come out of him. In the name of Jesus. And absolutely nothing happened. Nothing. Ten minutes passed by. Nothing had changed. Old Brother Norval got louder, but that was all. Fifteen minutes passed. Twenty minutes passed. I don't know how much time passed. And I was standing there, and the only thing that was going through my mind, Brother Norval had told everybody else in the room, he said, I want you to, lay in, he said, I want you to pray in tongues, everybody else. And they all laid on the floor. Laid on the floor and put their nose in the carpet and started praying in a language. The only thoughts was going through my head was, I am caught in a crazy man's house. And I can't get out of here. I, I thought about making a run for it. And then I looked across the floor and his body's laying everywhere. I knew I couldn't make my way through there. I thought I'll just have to stand here. I don't know when he's going to quit or if he's going to quit. But I'll just have to stand here. I want you to know I was not God's man of faith and power for the hour waiting for his deliverance. The only thought that was going through my mind was, isn't this man going to feel really stupid in the morning when he gets up and finds a little article in the paper that says they found my body floating in the lake on August the 16th? Because you see, August the 16th, 1974, that morning I was going to turn 22 years old and I decided that I would not turn 22 years old and still be a homosexual. I wouldn't do it. Whatever that took, even if it was death, I would not see the sun rise another day 
with my life tormented the way it was. But after about 20 minutes, 25 minutes or so, the only way I can do is just explain to you what happened to me. I can't tell you what happens to everybody else. I have to tell you what happened to me. After about 20 minutes, it felt like something that had claws hooked in the pit of my stomach. And every time Brother Nor would say, Come out! Something pulled down on the inside of me. And I, it, it pulled me over like this down on the inside. Something physical. Something physical, I said. It had a hold of my body. And every time he'd say, Come out! I'd feel this pulling down on the inside. I didn't know what was going on. But he began to, to command over and over, Come out! Come out! Come out! Come out! Come out! Come out! In Jesus' name, come out! And suddenly, after a, a few more minutes, it just felt as though there was, there was something in me. I knew it. I didn't know what it was. But the pressure coming up in my body made my face feel as though it was going to explode from the pressure coming up in me. And he continued to command it. In Jesus' name, come out! And then suddenly... The breath collapsed out of my lungs. The air in my lungs just went heaving out of me. And the very next breath that I breathed, I took that next breath into my body and it felt as though I had breathed all of heaven straight into that room. It felt like heaven in the room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There was a presence filled that room that I'd never experienced before. Presence filled that room. And on August the 15th, 1974, that gay got truly liberated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You want to know what gay liberation is? It's right here. This is the only place you'll find gay liberation. It's where the power of God is. That's the only liberation there is for gays. This is gay liberation here. They're looking for liberation. I found it. I've been liberated, people. I've been liberated. Brother Norville said, Mike, he said, now it's real important. He said, I want you to do something. He said, pray with me this prayer. He said, say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And I was repeating this after him. Cleanse me and make me white as snow on the inside, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus, I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Ghost. He did all that for me right there. Jesus did all of that for me right there. They were all praising the Lord and having a good time. I was still kind of stunned by the whole thing, just to be real truthful. We left that night and Brother Norval said, Mike, I want you to come back tomorrow. I want to pray with you some more. So I came back the next day and this was on, on a Sunday, I believe, or on Saturday. And uh, I went back in the house and I told Norval, I said, Brother Norval, I said, I know I'm free. I told him, I said, Sir, I went home last night and I laid down and went to sleep for the first time that I can ever remember without hurting inside and without torment and without having to lay there in bed and roll and toss and turn and my mind so messed up. I went right to sleep. I said, I know I'm free. I said, but sir, I said, you know, 
I know I'm free, but I still don't have any desires for the opposite sex. You know, I don't have any desire for my wife yet. And Brother Norval said, oh, that's all right, Mike. All you need is a miracle. I thought he kept him in a paper bag in the kitchen. He said, Mike, the only thing we have to do is just join hands. According to Matthew 18, 19, anything that two or more of us shall agree upon is touching anything, it shall be done for us of our Father which is in heaven. We're going to agree for the gift of working of miracles to go down on the inside of you and create in you normal natural desires. Let's praise God. Let's pray. And so they joined hands and I happened to be caught right in the middle of it. And I was standing there and they started praying. Asking God to give me normal desires. Thank you for it, Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord. Father, we ask you to create in Mike normal natural desires in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the gift of working of miracles go in him and create in him normal desires that he's never had before. Create it, Jesus. Amen. Thank God it is done. Amen. I said, uh, well, I don't feel any different. Brother Norval said, don't say that. <laughs> he said, say, thank you, Jesus, I'm free. And thank you, Jesus, that I have normal natural desires. But I don't feel, don't say that. I said, okay, what do you want me to say? <laughs> say, thank you, Jesus, I'm free. And thank you, Jesus, I have normal desires because I believe that I received when I prayed. Thank you, Jesus. The next day I left on college campus ministry with four other spirit-filled young men. Brother Norval sent me with them. <laughs> I didn't know he had given them instructions about what to do. You say, Mike, did you ever have any problems after that? You better believe it. The Bible says when the demons are gone out of a man, they will return. And if Brother Norval hadn't had the wisdom of God to put me with people that knew how to fight the death, see, I didn't know how yet. I didn't know how yet. But see, Brother Norval had to train me how to fight the devil. And please, those of you that are watching by satellite, those of you sitting here, let Brother Norval teach you how to fight the devil. Because if you don't spoil his house, he'll hold on to everything that, you, that belongs to you. You see, the things that you don't have in this life are things the devil's stolen from you. It's not God holding it back from you. The devil stole it from you. He's a robber. You need to go spoil his house. You'll find everything that you need behind him. Break his power. Force him to let it go. Make him let it go. Make him let it go. You say, but I came up and had prayer for healing. Well, that's fine. Get anointed with oil and then turn around and make the devil let your healing go. Make him let it go, whatever you need from God. I, was, I was traveled, started traveling with those young men out on the college campus. Two months later, you know, I got tired of saying, thank you, Jesus, I'm free. I got tired of it. 
He had told Mike Victorine, make him say, thank you, Jesus, I'm free, all the time. I got tired of saying it. I'd go take a shower just to get away from those guys. I was the cleanest guy on the whole team. I'd go in there to hide from them, turn on the shower. And undoubtedly, there'd come a... There'd be a knock on the door. I knew it was Mike Victorine, and I knew what he wanted, so I wouldn't answer. I was feeling sorry for myself, and that's what I wanted to do. I'd finally answer, and he'd say, I'd say, yeah, what do you want? He'd say, Mike, yeah, say thank you, Jesus, because I'm free. Well, I didn't want to, but I knew he'd beat the door down if I didn't. Because that's what Norval told him to do. <laughs> I finally said, thank you, Jesus, because I'm free. And he said, what'd you say? I didn't hear you. I said, thank you, Jesus, because I'm free. That's not loud enough. Norval said, you got to say it loud. So I knew I wasn't going to get by with that, so I just start yelling, Thank you, Jesus, because I'm free. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus! Two months, two months of doing that. You can sit down and listen to the rest of it. Two months of doing that, and I was in a motel room in North Carolina. And I woke up one morning in that motel room. And let me tell you something, this was the most different day of my whole life. Because that morning when I woke up, something strange was happening in me. I didn't know what it was. My arms literally ached. My arms ached to have my wife in my arms. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord. I didn't know what it was. I had to call and ask Norval. Brother Norwell told me just what it was. <laughs> Brother Norwell, I, I remember telling him on the phone. I told him, I said, Norwell, I don't know what's going on, but, you know, I, 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 want, I want my wife with me. I, I, I need her in my arms. And he said, glory be to God forevermore. He said, that's the miracle we asked Jesus for. Said he came into that motel room in North Carolina in the middle of the night while you was asleep and you didn't even know anything about it. And he gave you the gift of working the miracles and created in you normal natural desires. Praise God. He was a lot more excited about it than I was. Uh, he talked me into calling Hazel, the girl that I'd married. Two years of marriage, no good. I called her on the phone and I told her, I said, Hazel, I, uh, 
There's uh, something uh, happened. Uh, you know, uh, maybe there's a, there's a chance that... Uh, there's a possibility, mind you, it's just a possibility that uh, we might be able to... Uh, you know, sometime in the, you know, in the future, maybe... Uh, I just couldn't get it to come out. Maybe we'll be able to get back together. And she said, oh, honey, that's so wonderful. I'm so glad you called me. Well, while I was on the phone to Brother Norville, I made the mistake of giving him Hazel's number. He called Hazel and they talked on the phone. He called back and talked to the team leader on the phone. They, Hazel talked to him again. I, you know, I knew something was going on. I was always the last one to know everything. <laughs> Next thing I knew, Brother Norville had called Mike Victorine, the leader of our team. And he said, I want you to put Mike Williams in the Volkswagen and bring him to his wife tonight. He said, I know the devil. And he said, I know the devil will try to rob from him what God's given him. He said, you bring him to his wife tonight. So they folded me up and put me in the Volkswagen. <laughs> we drove all night that night, and the next day we pulled into a parking lot. Brother Norval was coming out of the restaurant door where we'd planned to meet. There's a little green car pulled in on the other side of the driveway. A little girl by the name of Hazel got out of her car. Met me in the middle of the parking lot and threw her arms around me. And she said, Mike, I love you and I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to stop. Hazel and I left that day on a trip that hadn't ended yet. That's the Lord. We left that day working on college campuses together. That was in October. Just a little less than two months later, we went on our Christmas break from the college campuses. And went home and found out we was expecting our first baby. Well, you see, that's another thing Brother Norval taught me. Faith without works is dead. You see, Brother Norval used to embarrass me all the time, so I just decided I'd do it myself. <laughs> Our first little girl was born. I was set free in August of 74. My first little girl, who's watching me right now, She was born one year after Jesus set me free in August of 75. 
18 months later, our second little girl was born. People, you're looking at a man tonight who has everything he ever wanted. I have everything I ever wanted. You say, Mike, do you believe that Jesus wants to do that for every homosexual? Every homosexual, if you're watching. Please don't stay in the devil's camp. Jesus came to set you free and give you life. And that you might have it more abundantly. God's power has come to set people free. And tonight is a night that is going to begin one of the mightiest deliverances that's ever swept across of America. Tonight is the fulfillment of a vision that Jesus gave me 10 years ago in Texas. One year after I started traveling, less than a year after Jesus set me free, the Lord gave me a vision. Explained to me what was going to happen over the next 10 years. And he said, son, at the end of this 10 years, he said, I will begin one of the mightiest deliverances to the homosexual community that has ever come to any group of people on the face of the earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You see, this spring is the end of the 10 years that God spoke to me about. The time for deliverance has come. The time for deliverance has come. I'm going to ask Brother Norville to come up here with me. And I'm going to ask him to pray, and we're going to agree together. And this body of believers here is going to pray and agree. First off, we're going to break the power of the strong man who's holding those homosexuals bound. And tonight, Jesus is going to begin a deliverance that's going to sweep because, you see, there's at least 1,500 churches out there now that know how to deal with homosexuality. Amen. They know how. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, you people answering the phone, did you, did you get the message tonight? You know how to bind up the devil? That's right. You know how to pray for him over the phone? There's going to be multitudes of them call you. I've asked Bob right now, you know, don't just use the phones around here just to raise money. I want every Christian in this place to start praying right now. We're going to use the phones right now for homosexuals. And I'm going to ask the homosexuals to start calling you. People that's in trouble start calling you on the phone. And I want you to break the power of the devil up there in Jesus' name. Before they call you, I'm going to break the, I'm going to break the power of the devil. I want the churches, the whole audience in every church, this congregation, stretch your hands out here to me right now. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bring all of the homosexuals that's watching and all the people before you right now. Now, Satan, I command you to turn those boys and girls loose. I command every lesbian to be turned loose. I command every homosexual to be turned loose and be normal by God's power in Jesus' name. Satan, I come against you in Jesus', in Jesus name. name, and I break your power, and I command you in Jesus' name, in Jesus come out of them. Yeah. Your 
Go from them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let their bodies go free. I break Jesus your power. Name. I reach out on the inside of you. In Come Jesus up out name. of them, I said. Come out. In Jesus' you name. Evil Come out. Come out of them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus let them go name. free. Come out. In the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command you in Jesus' name to obey me. Go from them. In Jesus' name, come out of them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for setting them free tonight. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for setting them free tonight. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The young people are free. Young people are free. Say, Satan. Satan. I command you. I command you. Turn God's people loose. Turn God's people loose. Let them go free. Let them go free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You believe it? Yeah. Well, shout them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everybody say free. Thank you, Lord. Free. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus say free. Name. In Jesus' free. name. In Jesus', In Jesus name. name. Free. I got power. In Jesus' free. name. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now, all of you precious boys and girls that's full-fledged homosexuals like Mike was, you have no desire for the opposite sex, I want you to get on, your, get on the phone. If you're watching from home and you don't want those people to know where you're at, if you're sitting at home with your family, go get a drink of water or something. Start calling that number on the screen. Memorize it. Take it down in Jesus' name. Start that's calling right. that number on the, on the screen right now. You, that, you that's in churches, you just feel free. I want you to call that number. Get to a phone somewhere. Call that number. I'll let the pastor work with you there. But you might not want the church where you're at to know it. So call that number and let the people on the phone here begin to work with you and pray for you and get you filled with God's Holy Spirit and teach you how to resist the devil in Jesus' name and never obey that spirit again. Jesus wants you to be normal. I'm telling you, boys and girls, Jesus wants you to be normal. And all of you bisexuals that's been fooling around, and you like men sometimes, you like women sometimes, get on the phone, get that phone number, and call them, and ask them to pray our prayer of deliverance with you again. Now, the power of the devil has been broken again, but let them on the phone teach you how to resist the devil. Just teach them for a few minutes. And I want you, when they call, I want you to teach them how to resist the devil. Teach them how to resist the devil in Jesus' name. The most important thing in the world, and the whole freedom of deliverance, is learning how to resist the devil. You have to learn how to resist the devil. You can cast out devils until you're blue in the face, but you have to learn how to resist the devil. Resist him in Jesus' name. Make him leave you. Every temptation, resist. Say no to the devil. No. 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 I resist you in Jesus' name. No. And just don't use yourself. And you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. So please, memorize that number. If you're in a service somewhere in the church or if you're at home and you don't want to call anybody in front of anybody else and you're watching the crowd, then memorize that number and call that number so you can be free. But if you're not, call it as quick as you possibly can and let them pray for you. And they'll pray for you and, and get you filled with the Spirit. You need to be filled with God's power. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Ask God to fill you to overflowing with His power in Jesus' name. Now then, Christians, real quickly, bow your heads, please, very reverence before God, and begin to pray. You're in this audience tonight. I've got to have some help. I've got to have some help. I've got a mental problem. I've got to have some help. Please help me. I'm lost. I don't know if I go to heaven or not. My mind's all messed up. Maybe you've been bothered with homosexuality, but you, you need to be free. 
Uh, step out of your seat right now and come in front and stand here in front of me real quick. Real quick. I've got to have some help. There's something wrong between me and God. I've got to have some help. You have a mental problem. Your mind is confused. You need some help tonight. Please step out of your seat. Come down here and stand right in front of me. Quickly. That's right. You're not serving the Lord. You're away from God. Maybe you've never been saved or you're backslid. Push this back. There's some backsliders here, Norval. Backsliders. Different service to set you free. Necess not backsliders. All of you come down here. Every one of you. There's Every just one all of you. kinds of things that hold people in bondage. Any Quickly, kind of bondage you're in from the devil. Come down here. Come down here. The same way in the yeah, church is the pastors, the pastors go up front. Go up front, pastor. Any of you in bondage in Jesus' name, not just homosexuality. If you're in bondage to the devil in Jesus' name, get up out of your seat and go up front. Get free. Oh, yes. There's some homosexuals in this auditorium and watching right now. You need to go to that altar, that church where you are, and, and you need to make a public confession. Jesus said, if you're not ashamed of me, I won't be ashamed of you. And you've got to make, you've got, it's good to come forward Mark's and acknowledge it so you can be set free. In Jesus. Come on. Come on here in Dallas. Come on. Come on, come on right now, every one of you. Here. Stay down here. Stay down come here. Come on. Stay right there. Right now, every one of you. Quickly. Yeah, stay, stay on quickly, the quickly, quickly. Every one of you, come. There's some more. They're way backsliders, too. And this church is come backsliders. On. Come on. Real quickly. Come on. All backsliders. I am. Come on. If you backslid on God, come on down here. You're in bondage and you know you are. And you've been a fool around just playing around with this sort of thing. Or you're in other kind of bondage. But you've, you've been playing around with it. Playing around with yeah, it. Yeah, people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol, too. Yeah. Any kind of bondage, drugs, alcohol, any kind of bondage. I want you to get that straight. Not just foul sex spirit. Any kind of bondage. Get down here real quick like Prostitution. You're away from God. You know you are. And you know you are. Any kind of foul spirit that's been trying to mess you up and keep you away. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Come on quickly. Don't wait. Don't wait. Come now. Come now. Right, let's turn Go the to the pastor.